on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. And in the most unlikely event that you haven't heard, it's 2023 and a very happy new year to you. This is the season of some rather strange New Year traditions around the world. It's reported that in Spain, they traditionally eat 12 grapes, one at each stroke of the clock at midnight on New Year's Eve. The residents of the Philippines do something similar. Apparently, all of this grape consumption will bring good luck. Hmm. Residents of Denmark are hoping for some good luck too, but their practice is a little noisier than Spanish grape eating. They greet the new year by throwing old plates and glasses against the doors of family and friends. Apparently, this is supposed to be a sign of love and friendship. They also stand on chairs and jump off of them together at midnight to leap into January. Get it? Don't try that at home. The Colombians are apparently hungry to travel each new year, and so they carry empty suitcases around the block, which is rather odd to me because carting cases around is one thing that puts me off of traveling. In Brazil, as well as other Central and Southern America countries like Ecuador, Bolivia and Venezuela, it is thought to be lucky to wear special underwear on New Year's Eve. The most popular colours are red, thought to bring love in the new year, and yellow, thought to bring money. This being a Christian radio station, I will make no further comment about all of this, although I am seriously tempted. Perhaps my own favourite New Year practice is found in Greece, where an onion is traditionally hung on the front door of homes on New Year's Eve. In Greece, the onion is a symbol of rebirth in the new year, and on New Year's Day, parents wake their children by tapping them on the head with an onion. What a great way to start the day and start the new year. Rebirth, change, surely that's what we should be thinking about in these early hours of 2023. And speaking of change, of course, this is a time of resolutions, the time when we determine we are going to be different in 2023. Apparently, the top 10 most popular New Year resolutions are exercise more, you probably guessed that one, lose weight, well, that follows up on the first one. Get organised, learn a new skill or hobby, live life to the fullest, save more money or spend less money, quit smoking, spend more time with family and friends, travel more and read more. Now, those of us who follow Jesus should be champions of change because we're called to a life of gradual transformation, not just because we grit our teeth and try harder, but because we have the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us, forming us into the likeness of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, in the message version, we read, We are being changed to become more like him, so that we have more and more glory. And the glory comes from the Lord, who is the Holy Spirit. So, with all this talk about resolutions and change, let me share my own personal resolution. I've only got one this year, and for various reasons, I'm actually feeling quite prompted by the Lord to embrace this one, and that is a resolution to simply be more available to God. Offering ourselves freely to God, surely 
That's the key to a healthy Christian life and a happier 2023, because it is possible for us to give our lives to Jesus and then gradually, slowly, even unconsciously, gradually take them back again. In James chapter 4 and verse 13, we hear from James, the half-brother of Jesus, and he says, Now I have a word for you who brashly announced, Today, at the latest tomorrow, we're off to such and such a city for the year. We're going to start a business and make a lot of money. James continues, You don't know the first thing about tomorrow. You're nothing but a wisp of fog catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. Instead, make it a habit to say, if the master wills it and we're still alive, we'll do this or that. Now, James was not against planning, but he was against independence and presumption, where we just take our lives fully into our own hands and do what we want without reference or submission to the purposes of God for us. So, that's our theme this New Year's Day, availability to God. Here's Carrie Job.
revelation song from Carrie Job. I'd flown to Salt Lake City to preach and for most of the journey I'd been pondering my sermon and I couldn't settle on the right theme. After 16 hours travel and much pondering, I was still quite sermonless. I arrived, found my hotel and went to sleep with a heavy heart, vowing to wake early in the morning to rejoin the sermon safari and continue the hunt for the elusive talk. Five hours later, the alarm clock screamed at me. I couldn't for the life of me work out where on earth I was in the world. It's tough to try and discern the word of the Lord when you can't even figure out your precise geographical location. So I settled down to a jet-lagged prayer time, which is always dangerous as one can never tell whether the thoughts that bounce around the weary walls of the mind are the whispers of the eternal God or the after-effects of airplane ravioli. Minutes later, I began to feel that God was actually talking to me, but I wasn't too keen on what I thought he was saying. Just go to the service this morning and tell the people, God says, step up to the plate. The rest of the sermon will follow. Great. I'd flown 6,000 miles, endured food that bore a striking resemblance to an aerial view of a farmyard, and then the congregation that have shelled out for this uncomfortable expedition are hoping that I will bring some teaching that is of some high quality. And what do I have to bring? One phrase, step up to the plate, a term used in America in the game of baseball. So I set off for the service with a heavy heart, but a sense of faith that this could turn out to be very interesting indeed, quite an adventure. I was welcomed literally with open arms and led into the prayer meeting. Dozens of people had forsaken the warmth of their beds that Sunday morning to come early to pray for the preacher and the worship team and how they prayed. They were low on spit and high on inspiration. Some of them had just returned from some revival meetings in Florida and were as high as the proverbial kite. They called upon God for a mighty Holy Spirit-induced divine encounter that would shake the rafters. And I just stood there, the recipient of much laying on of hands, nodded my head and murmured my amens, but all the time thinking about the epic body of teaching that I was prepared to present. Step up to the plate. So, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I just couldn't bring myself to go through with what I now know was God's plan. So... I jettisoned the plate idea, dismissing it as a byproduct of too much time spent at 36,000 feet. I used a well-worn sermon, a tried and tested faithful old standby, and we had a very good service indeed. Over a dozen people made commitments to Christ. Driving to the restaurant afterwards, I inwardly congratulated myself on dismissing the madness of the step up to the plate plan. Why, God had blessed people had become followers of Jesus, a sure vindication of my decision. Right? Wrong. Over lunch, I casually asked the minister what had been going on in the church of late, and his response shook me rigid. Well, Jeff, we've been concentrating on trying to encourage people in the church to realise that everybody has gifts that they can use as members of the body of Christ. Next week, we begin a new sermon series that's designed to encourage everyone to make themselves available to God. There's quite a lot of excitement about this emphasis in our church. I wish I'd never asked the next question, but something deep inside pushed me, already feeling that I might know the answer. So, what is the title of this upcoming sermon series, I ventured. 
Oh, he said, we're borrowing some baseball vocabulary. The series has been publicised under the title Step Up to the Plate. Oh, well done me. God had very kindly blessed my alternative service, but just think how much impact might have been made if, without any knowledge of the upcoming sermon series, I just announced the word of the Lord and then followed the Holy Spirit through what would have surely been a huge response and a very real strengthening of the faith of that church. I placed my head in my hands and groaned. The minister thought there was a problem with the food until I explained and apologised. Step up to the plate. What does that mean? Put simply, God was urging his people to make themselves available to accept some responsibility to play their part as members of his team. Generally speaking, the Lord uses people who want to be used. His preference is for willing volunteers who make themselves available rather than begrudging conscripts. Isaiah in the Old Testament is an example. Remember his call? The poor chap was having quite a crisis about his own naughtiness and was intent on reciting his woe is me speech endlessly. God sent an angel with a hot coal in his hand with orders to burn Isaiah's mouth with said coal. This incendiary strategy was presumably designed to silence the I'm no good and I'm useless speech. And then the Lord decides that there's a vacancy. A job must be filled. Now, bear in mind, in this episode, there's only God... Isaiah and the occasional angel around, but God addresses Isaiah with what can only be described as a cosmic hint. Who will go? Who shall I send? God asks. So Isaiah catches the heavenly hint and offers himself for the task. He stepped up to the plate and history was changed as a result. Meanwhile, back in the restaurant, I realized the irony of my mistake. Fear had paralyzed me. And the result was that I'd ceased to be available to the Holy Spirit for the delivery of his message. I had not announced the step-up message, and my refusal to articulate it meant that I was not prepared to actually step up myself. I wonder sometimes how much of my frantic activity in ministry comes under the category of my good ideas rather than the fulfillment of God's dreams. God looks for availability not ability. He's the vine, we're the branches. We should pray like this today. God, please help me to be a good branch. We should get the hint. Let's be available.
My Glorious from Delirious. Mrs. Robinson was a bright, totally alive woman who giggled uncontrollably whenever Jesus was mentioned. Such was her infectious love for him. She was a lone parent with two teenage daughters, but she would soon be dead. The cancer in her, a quiet, expanding labyrinth, uncoiling itself and spreading its deadly venom every day. It would not be long now. I used to visit her every week and she never failed to cheer me up. She told me stories about her homeland, the Caribbean island of St Vincent, and she laughed at the thought of dying. This was no brave face, no denial from her. She knew that she was going to die and she knew that Jesus had gone ahead of her. Her excitement about seeing him was palpable. No, pastor, she said, I'm not worried about dying, you see, but I am worried about my daughters. What will become of them? And then her bright eyes would cloud over and she would come back from heaven and land on earth again, real anxiety about her children, causing her to rock back and forth, crying out to God, Oh Lord, Oh Lord. And I'd do my best to encourage her. Don't worry yourself now, Mrs. Robinson. Hasn't the Lord promised that if we cast our cares upon him, he will care for us? I'd open my Bible and show her a scripture, 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And she knew that one by heart, but she would always look as if checking to see that it was still there on the pages of her Bible. And week in, week out, when I visited, she would laugh and fret and I would quote another scripture each time. But one day as I came out of her house, God whispered to me, as he sometimes does, by asking me an uncomfortable question. So then, Jeff, how exactly am I going to take care of these children? And I realised that in all my praying flowery prayers and my quoting of Bible verses, all of that were cliches if I didn't face the issue that God was raising. I considered the possibility that God was asking my wife Kay and me to invite the two girls to be part of our family when their daughter died. We had a young child of our own and a very small house. This would mean disruption and inconvenience. And But the how exactly am I going to take care of these children question just wouldn't go away. And so I decided to ask God to give me a sign. It wasn't terribly wise, but on this occasion, it actually worked. I said to God, I'm going to walk into our house and without any discussion or prelude, I'll simply announce to Kay that I feel we should become foster parents to the girls. And the catch was that Kay was to say, without any deliberation or hesitation, sounds like a good idea to me, Jeff. My wife Kay is a thoughtful, sensible person, impulsive, is not a word that I would ever use to describe her. So I walked into the house, pecked Kay on the cheek and said, I think we should foster the girls. Without a moment's pause, Kay gave her response. Sounds like a good idea to me. Ouch. So we did. Mrs. Robinson passed away without any concern about the future for her children. And we became a family of five. It was a wonderful time. Don't get the picture of our Lucas extended family as something out of Little House on the Prairie. It was a learning time for all of us, not least me. But those two lovely girls became a very real part of our extended family. And they still are to this day. I think I learned a lesson so powerful in that moment. And that is that God may interrupt our lives rather beautifully. This year, in 2023, 
let's be available to God and say, here I am. What would you like me to do? Happy New Year. See you next week. Lucas on Life.